Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encourages you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Man, it's getting closer to Christmas, and it's truly the most wonderful time of the year. I love Christmas, even through the pandemics, through everything that's going on. Through personal issues, Christmas brings us a sense of hope in the air. A hope in the air that the new, the old year is about to be over. And everybody say amen. And the new year is to come. See, last week we started a message series, um, our Christmas series, and we talked about Mary last week. And we talked about how Mary had to birth out the greatest hope that there was, which his name is Jesus. And then through this baby, through the form of a baby, it gave us this hope and the savior of all. But aren't you glad that Jesus didn't stay as a baby? Aren't you glad that he didn't stay in the form of a baby? Matter of fact, he grew up and he died on the cross for us and he rose again. He went into the tomb and rose again. It's a sense of hope that drives us in our life. But at times we think that hope is just an event. We think that hope, how about this? We think salvation is just an event. But in reality, it's not just an event. It's a lifestyle. We have to understand that hope is, is, is a lifestyle that we have to be a process through to grow in our life. God doesn't call us that our purpose to live in its infancy form. God doesn't call that your purpose stays as a baby. He, matter of fact, he calls us to grow. He calls us to take that seed of potential and grow it into a, a seed of, of, of love, of joy, of your purpose in your life. Thank God that we have a Savior that didn't stay as a baby, but he's a Savior of all. See, that happens in our life. And today we want to talk about this concept of hope and talk about another character in the Bible because we understand that life without hope is empty. Because we're trying to seek something. We live an empty life, but we see another character in the Bible um, here in the, in the nativity story, the greatest story ever told of Jesus being born. And we're going to enter into this story's, uh, this story's process and see what this character, character can teach us in this concept of hope. Today's title I want to talk about is called Hope Givers. Being a hope giver. Being a hope giver. See, we, we, there, we, I believe that in, in life and in, in, in our walk with Christ, there's two types of people. There are people that are hope givers and there are people that are hope killers. See, a hope giver is a person, is a person that, that pushes you to good news, to good things in your life. A hope killer is that person that is always negative and it forces your life to be negative in your life. But what happens in life? We really attract sometimes to hope killers and identifying them as hope givers. Because sometimes hope killers gives us a, a sense of comfort that we're in control. But hope givers pushes us to great things in our life, pushes us to grow in our life. Let's take an inventory of our life. Let's take an inventory of our friends. Oh, gosh. Let's take an inventory of the people that we put around us. Are they really hope givers in your life? Or when you're around them, hope is drained out of your life. Maybe you have to take an inventory and maybe you have to delete, cancel. We talk about cancel. Maybe you have to cancel some people in your life. 
because they might be sucking out the hope that you're trying to gain. What kind of people are you surrounding yourself around? But don't get me wrong. We need some people to tell us no in our life. We can't have all yes men in our life. We need people to challenge us. We need people to disagree with us at times. Guess what? I'm going to newsflash you. You're not right all the time. I try to tell my wife that I'm right all the time. It doesn't work. Don't say amen. We have to have people that are challenging us. If you have friends that always tells you yes, 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 you don't have friends. You have robots. You have robots. If, there's, if you're dealing with something or you're in the, in the concept of doing something you know that is not beneficial in your life, and your friends are like, yeah, man, let's get, let's get wasted. Yeah. In that season, in that time, are they hope givers? I mean, the reality is this. We make life so complicated, but it's really simple. We surround ourselves with the people that are going to make us grow in our daily walk in Christ. We need to challenge people. People need to challenge us on a daily basis. But hope killers are people that don't understand the calling on your life and how God is going to fulfill that thing. Matter of fact, they tell us, well, that, that, that calling or that dream that you have, you're not qualified to do that. So maybe you need to do something else. Been there before? Or you have friends or, or people or even family members that think you're crazy for go, going after what God has called you to go towards. Or they say you're too young or you're too old. They suck the life and the, and the hope out of your dreams, out of your, out of your purpose. See, some people cannot physically hold the capacity of the purpose in your life. They can't physically understand what God is going to do through you because the calling that God has going to be through you is too big for their mindset. So you need to surround yourself with people that say, hey, I see what God is doing on the inside of you. Listen, I'm not saying... We, we, in church world, we kind of just throw this concept of, you know, having a calling as, as being a preacher or being a, a somebody in, in the church. You can have a calling being right where you are. God didn't call everybody to be a preacher. God didn't call everybody to be a small group leader, even though we need some January sign up. But we throw this concept of purpose and attach it to the church. But purpose is really where God has placed you and if you're being fruitful or not. Because you can be the, you can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ than I would on this stage. Because I know this, I ain't one of those preachers that believe that you remember what I say in, on Monday. Check it out, we're going to re-record it again. The light that people need is a light when you're around them. And we need to give hope to, and the purpose that God has for us, it says for us to, to be his mouthpiece in this world. And in, the, in, in, the, in Matthew, we see a bunch of shepherds dealing with some sheep. See, these are a set of people that weren't, uh, you know, the, weren't really the going around the king of kings material. These were outcasts, low, this were probably the lowest job. Socially, they were probably middle class or even lower than middle class. It said that these shepherds were a little different, though. 
These shepherds that we talk about in the, in the book of Matthew, if you read the historical account of these shepherds of Bethlehem, matter of fact, it says it like this. The Bethlehem shepherds were known to care for the temple's flock. The, the, the men who were tending these sheep were to protect and care for the lambs that were going to be the sacrifice for the temple later. Oh, my God. So before Jesus was even born, in the form of a baby, he was already foreshadowing the death that he was going to be for our redemption in our life. See, the shepherds that were in the, flock, in, in the field that day, their job was not only to see, deal with the sheep. These sheep were very special. These sheep were going to be the ones that were going to be sacrificed in the temple for the sins of others. But then Jesus comes in the picture. And he says, I'm now going to take that. I'm the sacrifice. Now you don't have to go to a sheep. But these were the ones protecting the most valuable thing in, the, the, in Bethlehem. But here we see a bunch of shepherds coming into the story where they shouldn't even be. They're just shepherds. See, at the lowest form, Jesus enters these men into the greatest story ever told. See, here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 8 and 20, it says, and we understand here that these shepherds really become the first evangelists in our world to tell the great news of Jesus. Let's read it here. We're going to read here a little bit, so follow me. And um, I just want to give you a little context of what we're going to be talking about today in, in verse 8. And in the same region, there was a shepherd in their, uh, out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, feel, uh, they were filled with great fear. Haha, <laughs> we're going to get there soon. Um, verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be with you and all people. For unto you a born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this was be the sign to you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel of multitudes in the heaven host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among to whom is pleased. In verse 15, and when the angels went away from from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they, they made known and saying that that has been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds what they told them. And Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God to all they heard and seen. And behold, to them. See, we see here that a normal person now getting interrupted by a divine story again. We see Mary last week living her best life, just doing what she's doing, and then then an angel interrupts her normal normalcy. Now we see shepherds living their best life, doing what they were called to do, just, just tending the sheep, and now an interruption happens in their life. We talked about last week, be careful that we curse our interruptions in our life because it can be the thing that announces to the Savior. 
See, we have to understand that these shepherds were interrupted doing their normal things. And what happened when they were interrupted? Same thing happened to Mary. Fear came. Fear came. Their first reaction was fear, just like Mary. Fear set because a magnitude, a multitude of, of experience and this big announcement that was to come. What did Mary do? And what did, the, what did these shepherds do? They didn't let fear cripple them from hearing and accepting the purpose. See, because we see that the announcement that came to these shepherds, it was so big that it could overwhelm the shepherds. But matter of fact, they stood it and they listened because it's more important to not deal with our feelings than really listen to God's purpose in our life. See, they were scared. It was a real feeling. But they still listened to what was happening. And I believe three simple things happen in this encounter that we can learn from in our life to make us be hope givers in our world. Number one, it's to be curious. They were curious of what happened. See, in verse 15, it says, when the angels went away from, uh, went from to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, hmm, let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened that the Lord has shown us. We have to live our life appreciative of the present, but curious enough of the future to go for it. See, the angels had a massive experience. I mean, the shepherds had a massive experience with the angels. This doesn't happen all the time. Angels just don't show up and like, hey, and then they like have a concert for the shepherds. They're like, come in. This is what happened. Angels showing up. They were actually blessed in this moment, the shepherds. As a matter of fact, it said that they brought good tidings of great joy. And, and if you look at that word tidings, it really means that they brought the gospel to these shepherds. They brought the good news to these shepherds. See, the thing is, is sometimes we have to be, we, we're so comfortable with what God has done now and what had God done in the past that we're not having the drive to go towards the future. Well, God has blessed me already. Well, God has blessed me in the past. He saved me. And, and he's, 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 he's um, providing for me. But we're so comfortable with what the provision is now, we're forgetting that God is the God of the more. He wants to give us more in our life, more hope, more joy. More joy. Well, you say, well, I'm just happy with just this encounter, which is good, but God wants us to give us more. The good news was given to these shepherds, and they could have stayed there and said, hey, this was a great experience. This was good enough for me. I got the good news. I got what I, what I wanted. Why, need, why do I need to go see Jesus when I just was blessed already? Wow. I got my blessing. I don't need any more. I just, I'm good enough right now. But who wants to live life just good enough? I want to live a life just thriving and what God is doing constantly. He's doing a new thing in me, a new thing. It's springing up. It's doing a new thing in you as well. But it's our job to be curious enough to go after the thing that God is calling us to. How do we know? Whenever you came to Jesus, it was, a, it was curiosity. Maybe you found a, a coworker that God changed their life. And you're like, if he, what happened to them? 
and then you probably come to a service or something, and then curiosity hits, and you're, you, you went after curiosity, and then you accepted Jesus. It's, it's a thought of, hmm, there might be more to my life than what I'm living now. It's going after it. See, Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 7 and 8 says it like this. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks will find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened to you. See, there's a sense of curiosity that gives us the hope to see the door and to knock. Because what happens is sometimes we see the blessing and we're like, good. But God tells us to go towards the blessing. But when we go towards the blessing, you might have to lose some friends. To go towards the blessing, there has to be an action to it. You might, you might have to, you know, have some conversations you don't want to. But the reality is, if we're not going towards, if we're just sitting back and just living on blessings from the past or living the blessings of now, you're never going to obtain what God has for you in the future. You're just satisfied with now. The angels could have been like, hey, I'm good. But that was not the purpose of the, of the announcement. See, sometimes we rather just deal with the announcement than go after the purpose. Both are a blessing, but one is the only thing that's going to fulfill you. See, they could have stayed in the announcement, but they went after. They said, hey, this is great, but I have to go after Jesus. Because the purpose of this announcement is to go to Jesus, is to go to the purpose, is to go to the chosen one, is to go to the baby. I need to get away from what I'm dealing. Yes, I might be blessed now. Yes, I might be blessed years ago. Yes, but I know that there's more. I'm not going to sit in just this blessing. I'm going to go from glory to glory to glory. It's a process. It's more about going after what God, we have to be aware and appreciative of the now, but we have to be curious to go after hope in Jesus and what he has for us. It's, it's for us to trust the announcement and trust the words that God has spoken over our life, but then also step in faith to the promise. So once he, they heard and they were curious about this, what did they do after that? Number two, don't wait. Don't wait. And verse 6 says, and they went with haste and, the, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. We need to run to the promise. I believe people are stuck in their life because they're waiting when God has already told them to go. I'm just waiting until I get all my stuff in the row. I'm just waiting for my resources to be great. I'm just waiting for this. I'm just waiting for that. And God has already called you to go. See, the, the, the shepherds, they, they had enough knowledge in their mind to say, hey, I'm not waiting here. I see the promise. I heard about it. I seen this miraculous thing. I need more. I want more. I need to go after Jesus. I need to go towards Jesus. We say, oh, I need to get everything under control. I need to get all my resources down. The announcement of the angels was enough for the shepherds to go in faith and authority towards the king. See, these shepherds were just not people to just walk into the king's area and be like, hey, I'm here. These were unqualified people. These were outcasts. These, these people probably stunk. I mean, dealing with sheep, 
You know? Let's, let's, let's be real with what's happening. They, they hear of this king, this savior. They could have been like, well, I'm not good enough because I know my title. And my title does not mesh with the savior. They're probably rough around the edges. They're probably unqualified. But when good news came, they presented themselves and they jumped quickly towards God. They said, I don't have time to look at what I don't have. I don't have time to just know who I am. I need to go after the promise. They just went. Maybe you're stuck in life. It's because you're stuck on waiting and stopping. Maybe you're stuck because you just want to wait for the right re- for the right time. The right time is now. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised five minutes from now. So when God speaks to us, we need to go and not wait. Go quickly. We, we have to hold ourselves with the experience of Jesus fully. We hold ourselves back from experiencing Jesus fully because our, our confidence and our thoughts that we thought, think about. Well, I'm not good enough. I have to wait. Well, you know, I, oh, we're, we're in the middle of building a house. We're in the middle of job transition. Who cares? If God says to go, you're go you go. Because what's the other option? If God says to go and you don't, what is that called? Disobedience. Disobedience. We can't be stuck in the announcement when God has called us to obtain the promise. We can't be stuck in just announcing. See, there's been a word over some of your life that was spoken to you years ago, and you're still waiting to fulfill that because you're just wanting to wait for the right time. When God has already called you to go and do and be, the promise is on the other side of the obedience that you have to go. But we have to walk it out. We have to go when God says go because it's not when we say go. Here's the thing. If you think in your mind, if God hasn't spoke to you, don't go. Because everything that is born out of the flesh will die in the flesh. But when God speaks, when God speaks, anything born out of the spirit is fruitful and is making that knows that God is making it happen in your life. Making it happen in your life. Let's go quickly. I don't have no time to waste. I don't have no energy to waste. If Jesus is on the other side, I need to get to him. I, don't need, I need to get away from my feelings. I need to get away from my resources. I need to just get to the baby. Because in the baby, I find my hope. I find my hope. And once they went to, and they saw Jesus, it was a game changer for them. Because when Jesus enters into your life, there's no other option but things change in your life. Number three, the last one, they were excited to be excited and then tell others. See, what happens in our life is whenever we experience God, we just hoard the experience for us. Oh, I just want to just sit in his presence. I just want to dwell. We use these like churchy words, dwell in the presence, which is great. But our job as ambassadors for Christ, is to tell others about the experience. It's not for us just to be in the experience. It's for us to tell the experience. Because when we tell the experience, it's for the Holy Spirit to come in the other person's life and transform things. 
If you think that, I, it makes me, it, it, I laugh when people, you know, I get it. You know, you want to just have a tally of the people that you reach to Christ. I get it. You know, it's great. But you don't save people. I see you died on no cross. When we do that at times, it's for our glory. Where's my trophy? But when we say, hey, it's just about Jesus. When we, sometimes it's, it's, it's better just to plant a seed. See, we want to just, you know, come to Jesus. People ain't going to do that right away. But if you plant a seed of love, if you stop being a jerk... Oh, I'm just praying for my, I'm just praying for my work, uh, my coworker. But then you cussed them out two days ago. But I just, I hope they come to Jesus. Maybe you need to come to Jesus first. Can we be real? We, we, we sit on our pedestals of Christianity, the word Christianity, and look down on people instead of being with the people. See, these shepherds. It said that they went, when they saw Jesus, when they saw, in verse 17 it says, and when they saw it, it made, that was named known to them saying that, well, it was concerning of the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds were telling them. They experienced, and then they told the announcement. They told people about Jesus. See, all who heard were marveled at those things that were told to them. The shepherds of the good news and amazing things that they seen, even if people didn't understand, they recognized something significant happened. You're, you're ready for somebody to say yes, but all they want to know is, mm, maybe. Maybe there's hope for me. Because, yeah, you found Jesus, and I applaud you. It's the greatest decision of your life. But there's people that don't even know who Jesus is. And we have to be like these shepherds. We experienced it. We saw Jesus in all his God. Jesus has saved me. He saved me of my sins, and that's great. But now it's my job to be like these shepherds and tell everybody about Jesus. Hey, if I, if I, was, if I was a wreck, he can save you as well. And if they say no the first time, who cares? Seed after seed. Sometimes you might be the one that's, that plants a seed and somebody else waters it. But what does it say? But God gets the increase. It's not about us. Man, these shepherds had enough hope in their life and courage to be hope givers. This has never had the savior of the world, the one that was promised. We got to see it firsthand. And what did they do? We, I, you know, I would have been, I went about my Instagram, my Facebook, and be taking pictures with Jesus and what I done and whatever. It's like those people when you're, they're trying to do something good and they have to take a picture of it. Who cares? It's not about your glory. It's about his glory. Hey, don't, I'm not judging you a little bit, but... One experience 
with the baby, gave him the courage to accept the hope, but also to give the hope. We are called to experience hope but when and tell others about the hope we found. We need to be hope givers. Hope is not only for me. Hope is for my coworker. Hope is for my boss. Hope is for my father. Hope is for my brother. Hope is for my sister. Hope is for my friends. Our job is to announce to others about Jesus. He is here and he gives us an unshakable hope, an unbelievable hope, an unfailing hope. If Jesus lives in here, he needs to come out to there. That's our job. They need to see how excited we are with the experience that we have. And when they're excited, whoo, here's the thing. And even when they don't understand, it still comes into their life and hope is presented. And when somebody doesn't understand, but they still hear the good news, you know what happens? Curiosity sparks. And it weird? It's like a cycle. Because curiosity gives us enough purpose and hope to want to change. Hope is here, but we need to let go of hope out there. As I close, I don't know who's playing. I'm about to play if somebody comes up. It's our job to be hope givers. Hope givers. To let curiosity give us enough hope to move forward to the future. Yes, God has blessed me now. Yes, God has blessed me in, in the past, but I'm not satisfied with that. God is the God of the more, and he wants to bless you more. He wants to give you more hope, and blessing is not about this. If, you're, if you're, all you think about blessing is this, you're only going to die with this. I'd rather live a life of joy. I'd rather live a life of peace, of hope, and if money comes, hey, that's great. But you know what money can do for us? We can switch it up and be hope with our finances as well. It's all about seeing something, having a spark of curiosity. Oh, how can I be a difference in this area? Or how can I change? It's us really coming to the understanding of I need to be what the Bible tells me I am. And that's a hope giver to this world. So where do you need to give hope in the environments that you're in on a daily basis? Are you one way on Sunday and another way on Monday? Because we all got hope here. It was great worship. Anybody can get hope from that worship. We all feeling good here. But when we all feel good here, we can get that at a country club. We can get that at a movie theater. We can get that any other place that makes us feel good about ourselves. But when hope is real in your life, there's no other option but to show hope to others. It's a drawing. It's like, hey, listen, I was a wreck. I might have made some decisions, but guess what? There was a Savior that saved me. And, and you might not understand it now, but guess what? I'm going to be with you every step of the way. It's us helping people to find that hope. Curiosity spark. It turns into action. We do not wait. We go. 
And we're excited to tell others the experience that we experience in our life and that will give them hope for them to move forward in theirs. It's called your testimony. It's called your testimony. Some of you are like, I wish I didn't go through the things I went through. Hey, you needed to, to help somebody else. But that doesn't give me a lot of hope. It's your story. Look at the worst thing that ever happened to you, and it was bad. But how do you grow from there? How did you grow from that? Oh, you did, right? Because you're here, you're breathing. That means there's somebody else that needs you. There's somebody else in the pits that needs somebody to say, hey, there's hope. In 2020, (laughs) there's hope. Hope is not in the vaccine, which is great, we need it. Or not, I don't know. Depends what aisle you're in. Um, Hope is in Jesus. If If we are going to only put our hope on carnal things, we're only gonna be satisfied with carnal things. But when we put our hope in Jesus, things happen differently in our life. It's not the magical thing, no, it's Jesus because he's real and he's real in your life and he can be real in other people's life. We just have to be the vessels to get them to hope. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.